Welcome to Salonomics, broadcasting from Essex. The Bitcoin price is $64,000. No, it's going up that much. Wow. I'm telling you, mate, it's inevitable. Just get on board. Anyway, broadcasting from Essex. I just said that. I've lost my script. Damn, this is so unprofessional, Joe. We're oh, we're just, to, we're just at limit, mate. We're, we're just at limit. We're going to have to wing this. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, joining me once again from Islington is my hair prince, Charles. <laughs> Joe Mehmet. Uh, prince Charles, I'll talk to the trees, but none of them listens to me. <laughs> is that him? He? he talks to the plants, doesn't he? Prince Charles. Yeah, he does know. love talking to the plants. And, and I like his reasoning for behind it, right? Because plants like at carbon dioxide. When you breathe out, you're breathing out carbon dioxide. So essentially, yeah. you're giving them a little boost, right? It's a shame that he doesn't believe that carbon dioxide actually cools the world rather than his like, climate change scam that's going on with the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and all that. Yeah, and, but that's and, another episode, Joe. I think so. Yeah, there's a, I read this fantastic uh, article about sort of like uh, how the... How the elites of the world right contribute more uh, carbon footprint than ninety percent of the world population. I, mean, I that saw that. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. You sent me that on LinkedIn. Should we yeah. explore that a bit? No, not a fix. I think we should have to do a bit more research onto that actually, because I, I saw, I saw, I read it. But you know me about climate, global warming, climate change, right? I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a believer. I'm not a denier. I'm not anything. But I just think that it's. Uh, it, it, it's something that needs to be really addressed properly. Like let's, I think let's do our research on it first, so that anyone okay. wants to attack us, we, we, we got the, uh, we got the a back up on that. I think. Well, I've got two things straight off the bat. I want to mention. Go on. Um, when you just Google or YouTube, um, ice cube in a glass, right? So that debunks the whole polar ice caps melting and, and sea levels rising 10 foot. So just, just YouTube, ice cube in a glass. And the second thing I want uh, you morning, to... Good Daniel. It's Rex from the, Ebbing Park. Could the, you please give me a call in mm. relation to the site you sent me yesterday? Um, Sorry, my wife's um, decided... That's right. That's right. She's, she's decided a business call. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'll just pause it for the moment. No, no, I'll um, tell you to go away. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? All right. Sorry, I didn't know you were calling. I thought you were still chatting. Sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, it's it. Joe's fault. Um, yeah, and the second thing to debunk is in 1953, the Thames flooded South End and Canvey Island, right? Yeah. So if climate change was such an issue, why have we never had that flooding occur since 1950? Well, this is it, right? I mean, there's, there's so many questions you can ask, right? One of the easiest questions, mm. that's, that's, yeah, so like, actually so like, debunk any theory, right, is, yeah. is treasure hunters, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, they got their um, metal detectors, and right. they go scan the country, right, looking for gold, artifact coins, whatever, like, do you know what I mean? Mm. And they found coins, Roman, dating back, what, to Roman period, the Battle of Hastings Pier, right? Which is dug deep. How the hell did it get that deep? Because mm. the earth rises, doesn't it? So yeah, I that's guess. That's like that. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's a good point. That's a yeah. good point. If there's any climate change enthusiasts out there, um, can they tell me um, 
what happens to plants when more carbon dioxide gets emitted into the atmosphere? Exactly. I mean, look at they get bigger, right? Yes. Look, look at look at um, oil, uh, fossil oil, right? Yeah. And they have to dig a mile. Yeah, some some country, right? They have to dig a mile down, down right, to retrieve the oil, don't they? Mm. Now, how, and these are from dinosaur and Jurassic periods. Yeah. So how did I get so high? You know what I mean? So yeah. these are the questions that I that they can't answer me. Hmm. That they sort of saying that um, you know whatever they're they saying. they just call you a science denier, Joe. Right? Well, we can tell you whatever I want, but I know that it exists. Right, all oil, oil is yeah. down there. Metal detectors go out every day. It's a big, big sport or a hobby, which you look at it. So, yeah, it's there. That's, oh, that's... I've, it's, it's definitely a hobby, right? I've got the right. best definition for sport ever. What's that? Uh, and this was uttered by um, a com comedic great called Patrice O'Neill. And he says, the definition of sport is if you have to play defence. He's like, <laughs> golf is a hobby. It's a pastime. Right, right, it's right. like, unless you can play golf and someone can rush you or, you know, scream at the top of their voice at the top of your backswing, then you're not playing defence. So therefore it cannot be a sport. Boxing, sport. Football, sport. Tennis, sport. What about darts, snooker? What about snooker and darts? Yeah, I'm going to say snooker darts, and darts. Pastime. I don't know. Snooker's, snooker's probably on the fence because you can play defensively in snooker, right? Well, I'm going to say with golf as well, you're defensive as well, aren't you? You could defend the lead. By, yeah, but by... you can't. You can't stop someone from attacking you. No, no, because there's no. You can't make. You can do if they don't make any noise, right? Because it's like yeah. shh. It's snooker. It's shh, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, table so, tennis, sport. Te right. Table tennis, yeah. sport. Okay, so that's a good point actually. Darts, so, not a sport. Not a sport. Ice skating, not a sport. Ice, I would love to see ice skating if you could rush somebody like in American football. And, so, you know, so, so, ice so, hockey, so, sport. So all those um, ice skating, uh, Olympic ice skaters, right? They're pastimes. So, uh, for four years, they're practicing their skills, right, to get a gold medal. And it's, and like, it's a hobby. It's stop a hobby. it. Yeah, it's a hobby. Stop it. Skateboarding, stop it. It's a hobby. Unless... So, so what about gymnastics? Hobby. There's no defence, is there? There's Nobody no can prov like stop you doing your cartwheel, Joe. Right. Like that's you're not allowed. So therefore, if there's no defence, it's not a sport because a sport is defined as a battle of wheels, right? Battle yeah. between gladiators, right? That's a sport, right? Roman, like in the in the Colosseum, that that, that was the battle of gladiators. So, so where were where were one, where were two, where, battle of wheels, all these sort of yeah, that's sports. All sports. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe it's not hundred percent foolproof, but it's. No, it's, no, it's, I, I, I like better. it. I like it. Now. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I really think it's fantastic. <laughs> I would love to see golf where I can rush yeah. you with my golf buggy. Well, um, you know, you know what? During I'm, your your, your downswing. You know, I have got a friend right who um, you know him quite well, right? So mm. when 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 he saw like uh, when I'm on top of it. Mm. He would he would start making funny human noises if you know what I mean. You know what I mean. So just to put me off, you know, because you know in golf right, you get the, you know when you win the hole right, you get the honours, don't you? Yeah. And uh, as I saw it approach my sort of tee shot, whatever, he would make a 
a noise. Did you try and put me off my game? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or I'm about, I'm about to sort of put so like a free four putter and go, hokey pokey, hokey pokey, that would be like, do you know what I mean? There's all these, so there is a little bit of uh, brickmanship in the game, isn't there? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure like in, in the Masters that we saw, the, I saw the other day, did you watch the Masters? I didn't see the last round, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, probably the best round, but um, yeah. but, but yeah. it was it was it was a foregone conclusion because Mat- Matsusuma was was a, was ahead anyway, right. and he just maintained it really. Yeah. Uh, the, the interesting thing about Aero was that he he always had the mechanical swing that I didn't really like watching. Um, okay. I mean, I think Tiger Woods and Mickelson were the probably great natural swingers of the game that I and Ma- Roy McIlroy as well was Hang fantastic. on, hang on. Do I need swingers? This no. has taken a, a funny turn already. No, no, it's golf swingers. Golf uh, swingers, right. And, and he, had a very, he had a mechanical swing, didn't he? He was like, yeah, up, um, across, up, and then pause, and then come down, right? I thought, oh, that's bloody boring. Anyway, mm. He changed his swing, he made it more fluent. And because he made it more fluent, he actually won the Masters. So his sacrifice, his dedication to just readjust his game, um, gave me the rewards. Yeah, well, that, I think that's a really good point because let's bring it back to our industry, so yeah, exactly. for all the not everyone's a golfer out there, um, you know, unless you want this bit to be dedicated to no, our golfing no. buddy up in St Andrews. No, no, because I, no, I want to talk about the hairdresser because what I find really interesting that you know with you know, the, the great reopening, yeah, they're all the same thing. Have yeah. you noticed that? Yeah, no, I wanted to explore this technique thing that you right. were just talking okay, about. Go on. Because because it was one of the most it was one of the most um powerful influences on my hairdressing career wasn't the mechanical hairdressers that I worked with. Like I didn't look at them and go, Wow, their technique's amazing. I looked yeah. at them and thought it was a bit clunky. I always kind of gravitated towards people that look very graceful and element and, and elegant with their you know how they with, held the comb how scissors. they use the scissors and all of that just like Roger Federer you know is arguably the greatest tennis player of all time he's probably the most graceful and elegant yeah. tennis player of all because time because it was so, it was so effortless wasn't he his back came so effortless yeah, yeah. never injured like yeah. 20 year career because all of his moving parts work so beautifully yeah. he was yeah. never causing strain on any of his joints and here's another fact that you probably didn't know about Roger Federer never had a coach excuse me Roger Federer Never had a coach. I no. mean, obviously, he probably did at the beginning, but while he was world number one and winning everything, never had a coach. Right. Really? So, yeah, so what does that tell us about coaching and things like that? And it, it, I know we sit. God. You know, I, I was going to say, you know, a lot of coaching manuals, they remove your natural flair and elegance from your technique and. Wow, you got to conform. You got to do it this way, you know. Like I've seen people you that hold hair dryers by the nozzle as opposed to the handle, and I've seen people using weird scissor yeah. comb technique, and you just see all their joints and everything bending out of shape, and they're like kind of bending their back sideways to try yeah. and get an angle and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I think it's really important, you know. Did you ever consider your body position and stuff when you're working? Because obviously you've been doing this a some years um, beep 
some years. Um, you know, surely you should be a decrepit, falling apart, all your joints hurting after no. so many years of, of doing this job, right? No, 100%. I, I was very aware. What, what I noticed when I was... Um, not so much when I was a junior, because I didn't really pick it up when I was a junior, right? Because I was picking up other information. But yeah, I, you was I, picking up picking up tea bags and hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? So cleaning twice and getting taxis. Yeah. No, but like, when I was a hairdresser, what I did notice, right, was how certain hairdressers at a certain age started yeah. getting hunched back. They, they started having back problems, started having sciatica and right. things like that. I mean, I didn't know sciatica existed. Till, mm. till the 80s, you, do you know what I mean? Like when, when hairdressers started talking about it. And like they start looking at their uh, body shape. They're always lurching forward, weren't they? You know, as a hairdresser, you always lurch forward so your shoulders are more rounded. And because mm. you see me, I mean, my shoulders are square and I always maintain that upright posture. What I learned to do with the haircuts was that the best, what I started doing right, was I used to sort of bend my knees. I used to keep my back straight and I used to sort of bend my knees. Okay, mm. so so my glutes, or whatever it's called, were stronger. And what what I, then, as as the, as I developed my years, right, I start using a cutting stool. You know, this this mm. sort of like into the um, late eighties, the cutting stools came into play, right, of doing it because to get the best haircut, you have to be eye level as well with the hair. You can't mm. when you blow dry; it's very different. You've got to be on top of the hair. That I understand, yeah. but when you're doing haircuts. Yeah, eye level. Eye yeah. level is the best level, right? And it, and a cutting stool. That's why I think a lot of hairdressers these days use cutting stools as such. But mm. we, I, I'm not saying I was the first one, but in the eighties we were it, we were the pioneering hairdressers. Was the, was that frowned upon using a cutting stool? Because I know I know certain salons yes. that using a stool will be frowned upon. Yes, look, I mean I I know that the the salon I was working for at the time they mm. they forbidden juniors to using cutting stores in their models you know, mm. do you know what i mean so yeah it was yeah. it was stuff like that you have to earn the privilege gotcha of yeah and you're store. all fighting over one stall there's probably yeah, one it, store in the salon and everyone's it, it, gonna exactly. fight over it and you have to yeah. have, you have to earn the right for it right so yeah. it, it wasn't so much like you know it's a free-for-all so yeah. so again like you 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 perfectly well that what the interesting thing is about with the technique right was that the best way of of Honing your skills and the, the, mm. your um, mastering your technique, right, is on the client. See, it's very, it's very different on a profession, football, sports, or whatever, right? You can't practice on dummies. That's why I was said to you, we talked about it before on dummies, right? I don't believe yeah. that. So you learn your basics and then you've got your clients. And the best way of sort of like honing your skills, right, is the, the client, right? God says they're very important to you. They have to be your guinea pig to a degree as well. You know, if once you still know your angles, that which I did, because you adjust your body to the angles, don't you? Because you yeah, know, that's how, right. How many times you saw do a haircut, right? You know, straight down the middle. You saw like you do the middle, you do the left and right section, and the right section is slightly longer than the right, left section, whatever, because yeah. the nape just the body's not hundred percent symmetric, is it? There's that. If you actually look at the face, right, the the, the earlobe is slightly lower than the. Sure. You know, the eyes and all this stuff. So it's not yeah. 100%. I think it's an important point because it's something that's coming over the last few years with obviously development or innovation in scissor technology. Now there's, um, I know uh, Lee Stafford introduced me to this inside out method, which essentially I think was given to him by Sassoon's, um, which is basically, so obviously if you're standing at the back and you're right-handed, you would start in the middle of the section, yeah. you would cut from the inside to the out. 
But yeah. when you do the right hand side, you'd start in the middle, but you'd flip your scissors the other way round, and it's really just to prevent your wrist from having to bend. So well, your no. wrist is kind of straight at the same time, but you remove the bias of leaning. So that you remove the bias of it being slightly longer one side. And this is a technique which I think a lot of people are now utilising. Um, because, like I say, it, it works. You know, well, you haven't got this bias to make one side longer than the other if you're doing inside out to right. outside in. That, that's a totally new one. See, I, I would slightly mm. differ to that because I, I actually I mm. actually break my wrist quite... Right. Because uh, what the one thing as a hairdresser, you don't want to do that. You don't want to break your wrist. No, no, you break your wrist. It's sort of like you, you, you make it very flexible. You know what sure. I mean, right? You know, I, I could, I remember, right? I used to be able to arm wrestle with people. Mm. You know, mm. a little, you know, uh, a, a, a flippy floppy hairdresser, right? We, you should have a strong wrist, and we know what the was hair that from. film was that over the top film was that written yeah, about right. you was it yeah, the Sylvester no, no, Stallone no, Sylvester, no. but yeah, that was in your trucking days. Yeah, because. It, you know, it's not about the strap of your arm, right? It's the strap of your wrist, isn't it? And you know, yeah. from a hairdresser's point, right, your wrist is very strong. And mm. I, when when we were learning the blow dry, right? Because when you blow dry, right, you actually blow dry from roots downwards. Okay, you don't yeah. blow dry ends upwards. But for That's some right. reason, the the, um, the the chemistry of hair drying techniques, right? Heat travels down, doesn't travel up. So you've got to get roots right. So with the nozzle, right, you know, you start the nozzle straight down, right? You put your section and uh, the nozzle goes straight down, so go down. Yeah. So you used to be able to break your wrist, right? So that All you right. can get the, the angle of the hair dryer, literally yeah. the, the airflow skimming the surface of the hair. So your wrist yeah. was quite flexible. So when I came to do the haircut, my wrist was very much um, flexible, flexible to, to adjust yeah. myself. Yeah, I mean, I must caveat um, that with, you know, heat obviously rises, but when it's going through a conduct conductor, it will obviously travel the direction where the heat yeah. isn't. So yeah. on hair, that if you start at the root, obviously it will go downwards, it, it, won't it? Yeah, but I never understood that, Rick, why, you know, if you saw a lot of hairdressers would start blow drying from the ends and not the root first. I never it's just got terrible that. technique. They've just been taught very badly. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, and and it's the same, you know, it's the same with curly hair as well. You know, you see when someone diffuses um, some curly hair, they start yeah. at the ends first. It's like, no, the same blow drying rules apply. You've got to start at the root <laughs> well, the before thing, you dry the ends. We, we talked about it before, right, with the with session yeah. work, with one of our earlier podcasts, yeah. I mean, what yeah. I learned when I did the few sessions that I learned, right? How do you style hair from dry, not from mm. wet, when the hair is wet, it's wet. So, but mm. I used to be able to sort of like, I mean, Daniel actually taught me this himself, like when I was watching what you were, right? He would mm. rough dry the hair to about 90% and mm. then wash I mean, it. And then, and then style it, yeah. yeah. No, I yeah. get you. Yeah, 90% dry. So it's basically 10% of dampness. Yeah, but go back, it, to, go back then... to technique though, right, with the haircut. Then, but then what you learn, right, also is that sometimes when you do it, you, you look at the haircut and mm. you think, oh, this doesn't look right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I, I want to go back even further and I want to um, equate it to golf again because, you know, you were saying about, you know, arm wrestling and technique yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. It's the same in golf, mate. You see stick fin golfers with amazing technique can boom the golf ball 300 yards technique. easy yeah easy. but you see someone super powerful big who hasn't got great technique will be lucky it gets 200 yeah so it just shows you that technique there's a lot more to the eye when it comes to technique there's yeah. a lot more going on um physically 
when your technique looks fluid uh, and flows like water. I, I'm sure there's some Bruce Lee um, analogy here, you know, where he, you know, his his um, kung fu was was like water, right? That <laughs> well, 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 Bruce, well, Bruce Lee was saying, but we said this before. Uh, but, but if I don't mind giving a shout to a very very my one of my heroes, Steve yeah. Gould, right? He, Steve Gould was the, uh, my golf instructor. Who I went okay. to, I went to him and saw about well, not about eighty nine because when I took up golf uh, mm. in eighty nine, I, I went to sort of my local golf course in Finchley, and and the, all I wanted to do was get on the golf course. And mm. it, it gave me a swing, you know, keep your head down, blah, 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 hit the ball type of thing, right? And then, you know, after sort of like about a month of lessons, me and my brother, we were going to play golf. And yeah, yeah, the ball was going everywhere, left, right and centre, right? Mm. And, and after about sort of three months of, of, of this type of um, technique that I had, style of play I had, mm. right? I played one that, and I just could not get the ball to fly. It was, it was like literally hitting a ball on underground, like, you know what I mean? Do you know mm. what I mean? It was like... Topping it, yeah, all the time. Mm. Yeah, it was embarrassing. So one of my clients, and this I was working in Nicebridge and Sloane Street at the time, and uh, one of my clients said to me, "You should go and see Steve Gould." I said, "Where is he?" He goes, "Oh, it's Leslie King School of Golf in Nicebridge in Land Square next to Harvard Nichols." I said, "Was this?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah." So I went there. What I discovered there with Leslie King, right? He was he was a guy who actually taught Sean Connery to play golf in the great in the film Golf Finger. All right, cool story. Right, brilliant story. I mean, if you actually got, I, I met many famous actors there and, 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 and personalities there because um, it's, it's one of those sort of world kept secrets there. And when I went to him, he said to me, let me see your swing. So I started hitting the ball and I was leaning this way, left, right, and center, right? He goes to me, right. Mm. From today, I don't need to play golf anymore, he said to me. I said, why mm. is that? He goes, because um, you got a bad swing. Because, mm. but I enjoyed the game. I became a member. I guess, look, he mm. said, if you listen to me, I promise you, he said to me, I will give you a swing for life. Mm. Right? And I did. Right? He, he said to me, um, you can't go to a drone range. I said, why is that? He goes, well, if you've got bad habits, you will only incur bad habits. Yeah. You only go to a drone range if you know what you're doing. I suppose, which is what hence Roger Ferrer does as a coach. Why would he mm. need a coach, right, to actually teach him to something that he doesn't really need? So, again, you, you know, and when you tell me something interesting about all these golfers, right, when they, um, when they, when they sort of practice their golf swings, you know, before tournament, things like that, right, it's all for media show, right? Mm. The, you know, the gloves, the balls, the bags, the clubs, all that, right? It's sure. actually promotional work. They don't really need to hit 100 balls before a golf tournament. For sure. No, I get that. I get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, let's let's take it back. Let's um, remove the golf from the situation yeah. now. Like, so, basically, uh, what we're trying to what we're trying to do here is just understand, you know, how if something looks pleasing to the eye, then it's right. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If it doesn't look right, it's not right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 other problems will come from that. But I, when I was um, learning how to cut hair, you know, early two thousands in Brighton. Um, I was fortunate enough to be taught by a former Sassoon educator. His name was Jack, Jack Bain. And he was this very kind of Jarvis Cocker kind of stature, you know, this right. tall, skinny dude, all in black. But when he had scissors and comb in his hand, mate, he made it look so effortless and so elegant that I just fell in love with how he did it. You know, I didn't, understand how he, I didn't understand how he did it. 
of course, because I was a, you know, a three-month apprentice. But it was the way it just looked elegant, effortless, simple. And his hairdressing, the results he got was, was incredible as well. And it, and it was that part of his... I mean, look, I can't mimic his technique. He's much more elegant than me. Um, but, yeah, I think there's something in that, isn't there? Between, you know, technique, not straining yourself and having longevity. Because I want to segue into... This is the first week that everyone are back to work, right? This is yeah. the great restart. How's it gone for you, Joe? How's your how's your first week back to work been? <laughs> it, it listen, I've, it hasn't been any different to what it was that, that it, during the lockdown. To be honest with you, I, I mean, I, I can sort of quite happily sort of say, right? I haven't stopped working. I'm in a very push position of picking and choosing how and when I want to work. Right? Sure. So, so you've not has... been doing twelve-hour days? No, on your feet. No? I'm, am I a mug to do that? Please. Where were you yesterday, mate? By the way. Where do you think? You're on the golf course. That's right. You? Exactly. Exactly. You can't be. You cannot be doing this right, Joe. Right? Hairdressers haven't, you know, been able to work for months. You should be fully booked, like I am, for the next three weeks. Why are you not fully booked? Because. I work smarter, Aaron. I don't work harder. That was, gotcha. that's, you know what I mean? That's, and you know, because of the technique I developed many years ago, yeah. I, I, I sort of kept me in a style that I got accustomed to. No, no, gotcha. but look, 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 look I, I, I do feel sorry for all these hairdressers who are actually um, working these unforsaken hours. For, for what? What is the mm. end game of it all, really? It's, to satisfy their needs, to satisfy their clients' needs, to satisfy yeah. the taxman. I mean, why would you want to kill yourself? Thirteen. Don't you, don't you think it's fear? Don't you think, oh, I better squeeze them in because they might go somewhere else? It's mob mentality. It's mob hysteria. It's it's not. There's nothing sensible about all this attitude, right? Because that, mm. look, I think what's going to happen in I think was it June the twenty first, isn't it, when the hospitality sector opens mm. up doesn't it when the hospitality yeah. sector opens up completely right these salons will probably be just as busy as they are today because there'll be more events to go to they'll be more more purposeful in life so right mm. now you don't need to kill yourself you know just just take it easy you, you know what i mean just do your night do, do your first appointment at 8 30 do your last one at 5 30 say because you know 5 30 color Ends up at seven thirty. By the time you finish that, it's yeah. eight thirty. So, why why do you want to kill yourself for sort of thirty, forty hours? Because there's no upside to it. I really can't see it unless you mm. can explain to me. Because you're busy. Yeah. Well, no. Well, like I say, I'm not making the same mistake I made last last year when we reopened, which was that I did, you know, every single person I could as fast as I could. And I burnt through my entire cust like all my clients, um, in two weeks. And then I was sat there twiddling my thumbs for four weeks. This time round, I'm doing a maximum of three a day, taking it nice and chilled. And because I, I guess I'm in a situation where my customers only kind of come to me. Do you know what I mean? If they have yeah. to wait another week, they've got to wait another week. Exactly. You know, they're not going to go somewhere else. So exactly. I, I'm secure in that function that they will wait for me. So. But with, in anticipation of our podcast, what we did, right, I got my wife to ring up two salons, all right? I could have done mm. three, four, I could have done five or six, right? But okay. I thought, I, I thought this I'd is get... investigative journalism, That's Joe. Right. You're getting good at this. You're getting so, good at this. So we did one local, as in Islington, uh, yeah. a well-known established Islington, and then one 
world famous, world renowned, who were recently in the papers, you know, for their unindated um, volumes of customers they got. Right? I thought, let's, let's give them a call, see how busy they are. Mm. Right? So my wife rings up and says, you know, I want a, a basic tint and trim and blow dry. Where's your next available appointment? And I said, have you been to us before? I said, no, we've, I was recommended to you. Well, we have to do a patch test. Okay, can I do that all in one day? Because I'm desperate for a hair, hair color because I've been doing it myself for all this time, blah, blah, blah. I says, okay, the earliest we could do you is May. Now, May could be in two weeks time or May could be in months time. We don't really yeah. know. So it could be two weeks, it could be a month. Let's give the benefit of doubt, let's say a month, all right? So we rang up, then she rings up uh, this well-known establishment in town. Same thing, really. I was recommended to you, etc., etc. Now, they could do a colour. The earliest is May. No specific mm. date again. Right, May. Um, mm. But they could do a cut and blow dry in two weeks with a said hairdresser. Yeah. Really. So what, the, what does it sort of tell you there? They, they are busy. They are working around the clock. But at the same time, this is no different to what they were like before anyway, because if I remember rightly, I mean, I know, as I say, I'm myself, right? we used to have clients booked up in months ahead anyway. They come in, they book their colour, uh, for they come in today, they book it in six weeks' time. Mm. Do, 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 do you know what I mean? So Yeah. yeah. Really, so it's not really different, I don't think, to, to how the uh, industry has changed. I just think that the, the southern owners are being quite irresponsible to their staff by making it work a lot harder when they shouldn't be working that harder. They should work a bit more smarter, personally speaking. Great point. So then, Joe, uh, what's got your go on LinkedIn this week? Anything ruffled your feathers? Uh, not really. I, I, like I said, I think that sort of like that uh, story I, I read about the um, the sort of the global elite sort of contributing sort of more to sort of uh, the carbon footprint. Down yeah, there. shall I shall I um shall I read that out? Yeah, go on, that, yeah. For misses. I mean this was in the Daily Mail, so once again the Daily Mail are trying to divide um divide and conquer us all. Um so basically the richest one percent produce double the carbon emissions of the poorest fifty percent. So once again, you know, double standards, do as I say, not as I do. Um, you know, why do we why do we listen to these billionaires for climate change advice again? Because they don't want you to be they don't want you to be in their way, I think. I just think that they just want a world to be in in, in an image of that what they think they deserve. Not they don't care about us, they don't care about when I say us, right, they don't care about the human race except themselves. Their their own their own little world. Because if you actually look at these billionaires, right? They're spending an awful lot of money trying mm. to defy time as well. You know that, don't mm. you? you know? Yeah, no, of course. Of course. I said, I made this point to my wife the other day, you know, we should all be grateful if we're healthy. Because you imagine a billionaire that's not healthy. Would he give up all his billions to be healthy? Probably. Of course. Well, they've never kissed of being healthy. I mean, age. There's one, one thing that no one could defy, right, is time. Right, mm. age. And, and these people, is this why they're all? That's this why they're all into adrenochrome. Exactly. They, they <laughs> they're going, trying to reverse time. I mean, have you ever saw? Have you ever seen a billionaire living in Alaska 
or uh, or north of England, or um, yeah, I saw like Norway, or whatever. No, they all go to sunny places. Yeah, they're all in Iceland, some were you? But they all got they all got places where the sun is great because vitamin. Mm. You know, the sun is much more healthy than a, a, a colder environment. So I do yeah. find it very very disturbing that mm. you know, like I said, I think we I need to investigate this a lot more. But my personal view is that it's it's a very disturbing. Um, scenario that we're coming across really how society you know we get we're coming out of lockdown but also mm. there's a group of people right that is accelerated so far ahead of us yeah that well uh, so yeah you i mean you know i love the uh podcast no agenda yeah, yeah you do yeah so they did a um two hour special on climate change like yeah. the other week and you know, obviously, their their formula is, right, we're going to play clips from mainstream media that say climate change affects your sex drive, right? So basically, they're trying to scare people into conforming to what they want. And, you know, and then obviously that an expert would then come on and obviously debunk the previous claim. So it's all kind of very well, well done in that show. So what you're saying, Joe, is that you are... You're a science denier, right? By going against this, you're a science denier, Joe. How do you know whether... I mean, you've only been on this planet 60-odd years. Surely it's warmer today than it was when you was in, you know, when you was five years old. Never, mate. I've, I've been in this country for... since 63. There's only one year, one year in this... In, in my whole life, it's like that I thought this summer was the best summer. That was in 1976. Uh, all right, yeah, you might get one week of really, really hot weather. That's one week. It's not a disaster. You know, mm. do you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, right, you've got all the doomsay saying, ooh. Now, for 90, so like 364 days of the year, right, you don't see him. You don't see them protesting about global warming in the winter time, do you? Or in in the autumn time? They're only in that one week of warm weather. They're protesting. Yeah, so, yeah I can't wait for Extinction Rebellion to um, do some kind of sit-in in the middle of February. That'd exactly, be amazing. To exactly, watch exactly, right? You know, you don't sort of see them going protesting in Saudi Arabia when it's like fifty degrees or Kuwait, whatever. Yeah. No, they're just doing it here. You know, because mm. they're protected. Yeah. These people are protected. That you know, do you know what I mean? It's it's just yeah. absurd that this country or, or or any other country, right, endears to their um, philosophy. I, I just I just find it bewildering. I really do. Yeah, where's the fear narrative again, isn't yeah. it? It's like um, my my sister, who's a militant ve- uh, vegetarian. Um, she texted me the other day. She's like, you've got to watch that Game Changers movie on uh, on Netflix. Oh, it's, you know, obviously it, all the whys and wherefores, why we should all be eating bugs and plants and not eating meat anymore. To which I responded, well, surely if carbon dioxide is creating the climate change, then surely we should be eating the cows which are creating this carbon dioxide and not eating the plants which are supposedly creating the oxygen. I'm confused. <laughs> Well, do, do you think Prince Charles was confused when he started? Prince talking? Charles is—he's always confused. <laughs> he's always confused. Never listen to Prince Charles. Prince Charles says one thing. It's like China. It's like a China metric. Uh, he uh, says one thing, do the opposite. I, I think we forgot to mention actually. Mm. Uh, rest in peace, Prince Philip. I think. I think we should. We've got to give a 
and mentioned to Prince Philip. I really liked him, actually. I liked did you? His, I did. I did liked you? His, I like his quirkiness, and you know, and he speak. I spoke of of the of the typical British humour, which is full of banter, full of quick quirks. Even right? though he was German, yeah, which or, is or quite remarkable. Or Greek. Or Greek. Was yeah. he? Was he Greek? Was yeah, he Greek? Greek? Yeah, Greek as well, right? He's, okay. He's, you know, do you know what I mean? So, but I really liked him, actually. You know, what you, I mean? are you a royalist then, no, Joe? You, I mean, not, do you not, do you, you mind the Queen? I look. I, I'm not saying I don't mind the Queen. I have got no time for Prince Charles and his um, theories about sort of the environment things like that. I think Prince yeah. Charles should be apolitical, a anything. You know, he, he should he should serve the country and serve everybody, not just yeah. a group of people. Do you know, not do just know? the Davos douchebags. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's you know that's where he's going completely against me, really. So, mm. I, I, Prince do you, do you, I mean, do you think there is going to be a royal family um, once yeah, the Queen departs there, this mortal coil? I hope there is actually. I'm, I'm not a royalist, but I think it's quite nice to have something. I, I, there's a lot of things I disagree with, and there's especially when it comes to class structure and things like that. But also, mm. I think what Prince Philip has, show, has brought out to me, right, is how important it is to have a body which is completely um, free of any politics. And, 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 and I think. Yeah, a head of state. I, yeah. I, I think the royal family should be there. About, yeah. You know, they should be there because. They are the ultimate in standards, right? You yeah. need a standard bearer to yeah. live up to, right? And yeah. I think that's true in every industry. Um, however, I do worry that once our Queen departs, I just think I can see everyone turning against Charlie and the gang because, like, you know, they're all these woke idiots now, aren't they? Well, that yeah, are basically but, 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 telling us all how to live their lives or how, how you, we should live our lives. Exactly. And, and he's and, part you of know, that problem. Is that part, is part he of is problem. part of that problem. Yeah. But I, I listened to a great economics podcast, which was about why royal families are necessary in Western democracies. Um, and it was Safe Dina Moose, the guy who wrote the Bitcoin Standard. And he essentially put forward the case of when you look at the republics in Africa, the ones that have royal families and the ones that don't, the ones that have royal families have... The longevity attached to them because obviously it's in the royal family's interest to not allow their country to go to rack and ruin because they're going to be there overseeing everything for decades whereas in america you've got short-termism in politics because they just care about the next yeah. four years so yeah. they don't put any long-lasting plans in yeah so i think that's a very interesting thing that could be explored um you know royal family i don't think it's i know everyone goes oh but they're you know, they're bloodsuckers. They just, you know, they don't deserve taxpayers' money and there's argument with all the tourism and everything. But I just think it's that moral thing of standards. You know, they are the standard bearer of our nation, right? Yeah. Look, there's, look, look at Cameron with, with his um, lobbying thing, right? He's um, it, sort of trying to sort of get, raise money for, for this sort of green seal, yeah? Using, mm. using taxpayers' money to prop up a, a failing company. That is immoral. That's that's wrong. I think he should be brought to task, okay? Because there is no upside to it. Yeah. You know, if if my taxpayer, if my taxes goes towards helping the royal family establish uh, a sort of some kind of a, a world um, of sort of like presence, which mm. brings a lot of good to the country, I'm happy with that. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm not too impressed with their when they start going on with the agenda issues. You know, what I mean, with the mm. 
yeah, so the climate change up there. I think, like I said earlier on, right, I think that should be for everybody. And this country is so diverse. I don't think it's a racist country. I, don't, I think it's, it's one of the fairest countries in the world. Otherwise, people wouldn't want to come here, would they? You know? No, that's true. Um, what member of the royal family do you think is most likely to have some Bitcoin? Harry. I think so, too. Yeah. I think it's probably very beneficial for him now he's gallivanting all around the globe and he yeah. doesn't need one currency. I think yeah. it would be very useful for Harry to yeah. have Bitcoin, for sure. Yeah, because well, um, because because all the rest of the world, they've got, they've got all the land, haven't they? That's right. How poor Harry's got anything, has he? <laughs> right, so we've done the GOAT. We've done your GOAT on LinkedIn. Um, is there anything else you want to say, Joe, before we wrap it up? I mean, I've got... I mean, we shouldn't even be recording, right? Because I'm supposed to be doing hair all day, every day for the next, like, three weeks. So, um, we can, sorry this is a short one, everyone, but, you know, needs must. And I'm sure your next client's waiting for you as well right now, Yeah, right? exactly. He's, he's actually looking at me with, you know, say, hey, we got out for a walk yet, mate? I said, okay, let's yeah. go for a walk. <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, then, mate. mate. So... Night. All right then, dude. Well, um, tell people where they can find you and on Telegram. Um, stuff. On, on Telegram. Yeah. LinkedIn. What they have to type in a Telegram Salonomics. to find you. There you go. Boom. You'll you'll get there one of these days. Exactly. You'll get there. Well, you might you might you might um IT guy anyway. You might well, IT go to guy. Well, not really. You got a Mac, so the second well, you get listen, to your Mac, I will we, we, I'll be your I, IT guy. Just before I go, how is your go salon coming quickly? Oh yeah, go salon. Um, yeah, we didn't touch on that. I said I wanted to touch on this today. Yeah. Um, yeah, go salon has. Yeah, we've been kind of in limbo for about three months because um, I've got quite a big waiting list of sixty-five salons on the waiting list wanting to get on board the network, but I obviously haven't been able to bring them on board the network because obviously we've been closed, haven't we, for five months? I worked this out the other day. Um, do you remember back in uh, November, we had that four-week circuit breaker where they closed salons down? So we went over to Coronado's salon and we built this smart retail wall, which is powered by GoSalon. It's powered by our QR code technology. We built that wall and once we was allowed to start working again in December, John reported that his product sales went up 1,000% in the three weeks in the run-up wow. to Christmas. Wow. because of the wall because people were engaging with the wall and yeah basically um i've been frustrated because it's with day two day three since we've been allowed to open and and obviously the walls sat there dormant because the salon's been closed for five months so right. i'm so keen to find out how it's going now and whether it's facilitating you know many more sales just to it just to explain the wall is there for the customers in the shop to scan and ship the products to their house yeah so they don't have to pick up that heavy bottle of shampoo or anything it gets shipped to their house and and john gets paid a commission for doing it that way so he has all the benefits of selling he has all the benefits of providing great customer service and he has the benefit of not having to spend the capital on the product in the first place because, you know, it gets it gets sold and shipped without him needing to buy it in the first place. So, yeah, really powerful. Um, I'm going to be going to see John on Friday because I've got a couple of clients are doing the salon over there. So I'll, I'll hopefully report back on, on next week's show. Yeah, because I, th I think you've got... It's not that I know much about Go Salon. I, I just know what you know, but there's... Again, we were talked about earlier on with the techniques. Now it's a fantastic opportunity. 
to to re not restructure but change the direction of the industry i think yeah you know? Yeah, totally, totally. I think we're at a stage now, in order to squeeze more people in, we need to enable the customer to do certain things on their own. You know, it, it, at the exactly. end of the day, why did, why did Tesco's Sainsbury's, etc., put self-service checkouts in? Exactly, exactly. There's, you, you, people got choice then. You know, do I stick around and, and talk to you for five minutes at the end of appointment, rebook your next no. appointment? Or does the client do all that exactly. from their own handset exactly. in the chair exactly. while you're finishing off the blow dry? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. If, if you're doing 10 clients a day, Joe, five minutes saving, that's an extra hour. You can get your lunch break back if you want that's right and that's exactly i think we could explore that in our next show and how we can um, sort of be beneficial i think because that's exactly what we, we said it before right hairdressers have to start being hairdressers yeah nothing more nothing else and let your um, go salon be everything else for mm. the uh, for the work smarter not harder joe exactly, right which is what i said earlier on Brilliant. On that note, mate, I will give you a quick send off by saying. Oh my God, that is amazing! Okay, mate. Right. Well done. Adios. Amigos. See you soon. Bye bye. Take care. Bye, mate.